0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from techtables.com, and you're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into the current issues and challenges faced by top leaders through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events. We offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves. Keith, welcome to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables at the Florida Digital Collab Annex. Isn't it awesome? Are we still calling it the Annex? Expansion, maybe? Expansion? I think extension, expansion. I'm not sure. It's an extension (laughs) of an expansion.
1: So introduce us. Keith Pruitt, born and raised in West Virginia and was fortunate enough coming out of high school. I got to go to a Pretty nice Division II school in Tennessee, Carson Newman University, and played football there. And while I was there, stumbled into the Army ROTC recruiter's office one day because wasn't sure what I was going to do after college. And that embarked on a 21-year career in the Army, four tours in Iraq, one tour in Afghanistan. And last assignment brought me to Tallahassee, where I was the head of the Army ROTC program for Florida State University. And coming out of there, we made the decision to to settle and retire here in Tallahassee. Uh, effective April of last year, I retired uh, after 21 years and started working here with the Florida Digital Service. And currently, I am the ESF 20, which is Emergency Support Function 20 uh, coordinator. Uh, it's a cybersecurity, but also digital response uh, that we provide to the state uh, concurrent with either... Uh, emergency situations activations in the EOC, but then also uh, 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 what DEM, what Division of Emergency Management would refer to as blue skies, gray skies, even during blue sky operation, non-emergency situations. Uh, I would represent uh, Florida Digital Service as a liaison between our two agencies. All matters cybersecurity. While I am not the technical hands-on problem solver, I am the facilitator of information and it is my job to keep Florida digital service, our brothers with FDLE and some of our federal partners in concert and make sure that the information is being shared when it can be shared to all those impacted.
0: Well, that's great. Thank you for serving. Love it. Always love meeting folks who have served and you played football. I did. Okay, so how do you and Jamie get along in the office?
1: I think Jamie avoids me to bring up any unfair comparisons. No, I I know Jamie and um, his passion for Auburn football, and it it often leads to great banter in and around to break up those days, especially Monday mornings or Sunday mornings after a rough evening of watching your team peril. (laughs) But yeah, it bodes well because I honestly, being a part of an organized sport, whether it's at high school level or beyond, Stick, the longer you do it, I think the more it sticks with you. And I think those foundations of teamwork and understanding who has to pull their weight, not only did that trans- transfer over to my career in the military, but it is also transferred into my career with the state government because everybody does have to pull their own weight. And you may not understand why some person that is an offensive lineman doesn't have to do the same as a wide receiver, but at the end it's, it's about pulling your weight. And honestly, that is apparent with my time here with FLDS. And it, it's something I think that has served me well.
0: That's great. We're we're gonna we're gonna get to Hurricane Ian and then how you think about the upcoming hurricane season. Yeah. But I love what you said about the organized kind of team sport, teamwork, pulling your own weight. I think, as I coach high school basketball, so I talk about this all the time on the podcast. I learned so much about leadership from twelve high school boys that I'm trying to get to be one team. Mm-hmm. And whether that's removing ego from playing time yeah. and just focusing on the mission of what we're trying to accomplish that particular season and then serving in the military, everything you learn, I didn't serve the military, but everything you've learned from those traits mm-hmm. carries over to the real world so well. Yeah. And I always recommend that folks, kids actually get in and play a sport because mm-hmm. you just learn so much about yourself and, and just discipline and sticking to a schedule and showing up and mm-hmm working out and I love that. And actually had a great talk with, uh, this guy's the director of infrastructure for the city of Houston. Mm -hmm. Same thing. He's everything I use today. There's a technical component for him, but interacting with the city, making the business case to get money, having relationships, building support, Mm -hmm. everything he learned in sports.
1: It's funny that a lot of those foundations, it's easy for us to teach or pass on. I would say specified, meaning, Hey, it's on paper in basketball. You have to put the basket through the hoop to get points, right? Those are specified tasks. Hey, pass it to the open players. But what they don't realize is the importance of the implied task. How do you work to get someone open? How do you get them involved? What are you doing that isn't, isn't as transparent to everyone behind the scenes that is actually making these things successful? So not only does it apply in sports, it applies in the military, but it applies in life. It's you you don't necessarily see all of the things that you do for your family on the surface, but it's behind the scenes. It's after everybody's asleep or it's before everybody wakes up that you're actually doing things that have these lasting impacts.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And the last thing on the sports front, I know everyone who's listening to this podcast is like, Joe always talks about sports, but (laughs) that's just how it goes. The X's and O's. And so like in sports, you can have, we're going to run this play. Mm -hmm. This is what it's going to look like. And then exactly what you said, on the stat sheet, you may run the play and there's the stat sheet, but there's so many intangibles that show up. Mm-hmm. And they're players who may score zero points and they may have zero steals, mm-hmm. but their hands are everywhere yep. and they're moving and they're communicating, they're talking, they're just providing leadership on the floor and that doesn't really show up in the stat line, yep. but it shows up in the game film.
1: That's right. Dennis Rodman. I was I'm a lifelong Laker fan, but i, I the circus that he became throughout his career but if you go back and look he wasn't an offensive prowess he wasn't anything but he got the rebounds he played defense and he got in people's heads and it was the intangibles and to be honest that's those are the people that make or break your successes it's the it's the behind the scenes action i
0: think yeah no i love that did you watch the jordan bull or the bulls documentary on netflix did you catch oh, that one
1: I've, I've, not only have I, have i watched the last dance if that's what you're referring to. Yeah, last dance. And then I've I've watched Showtime, um, the story of the Lakers. Again, those things are really are very telling because it honestly takes an approach of, yeah, this was all about Michael with the Bulls, but what was his uh, accompanying players? Who were the complementary pieces that actually allowed him to be him? And, you know, now we see everything with him and Scotty in the the media. It's funny, but...
0: Yeah, no, I I really like the last dance. I think the piece where, you know, now you think it's oh Michael Jordan he's so famous he took this team but when they were going up against the Pistons he was just getting brutally beat I mean he 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 had to not only go put on weight and get stronger but then he had to go recruit a team that's right and he figured that out and where I think a lot of players think they can do the solo show but Mm -hmm. you can't win without a team that's right and I think on that team, I'm trying to think of, there's so many funny stories. I love the one with Steve Kerr, mm-hmm. and he's the coach of the Warriors. Yeah. He actually won a ring afterwards with San Antonio. With the
1: Spurs, that's right.
0: And he had the fight with Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and then he bought him a car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. yeah they got into it at practice, and, then, and that's referenced, I think, in the last dance. They talk about yeah. how that impacted him, but it's funny how those two were able to overcome that. And if you're looking at the news today, the whole issue between Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and all of the stuff, and now Jordan Poole has been traded. And the the, after the season comments from Coach Kerr, who went through something like this with his own teammate, right? Yeah. It it broke up their team. So it just shows how mentally strong the Bulls teams were, that they could overcome that and put egos aside and get through it, and they succeeded. But maybe today's athlete is a little bit different because it didn't seem that that the, the Warriors recovered from it, according to them. I don't know. I'm not a Golden State fan
0: yeah i'm a huge golden state fan and this is i think there's nothing more even the whole kevin durant Mm -hmm. leaving the whole for me it comes back to ego and humility yep and so if you can't control your ego you're gonna have a real hard time and it just takes some humility Mm -hmm. for the greater mission of hey we could go out and win six or eight rings if we still had durant and everyone's healthy instead it's I think draymond was declining his player option and but he the the, the whole thing is just in shambles right now i think so we're we're witnessing the end i it's heartbreaking as a warriors fan (laughs) i guess i'm i really like Stephen clay and i really thought they had a really good sense of humility on the team and then i thought they could try to keep the package together but it's tough on teams what what are your thoughts and we'll jump to the i know we'll jump to the hurricane Cause I really want to talk about that, but just thoughts on ego humility and what you've seen from the military to the, to, to coming into public sector now.
1: What's what I think is, again, one of those things that transcends agency industry, whatever background you come from are the intangibles. And if you are going to be in positions of leadership, I think you have to embrace not just the uh, attributes that we expect out of a leader. But you've got to embody and believe in the principles and the responsibilities that come with being a leader, and that starts with no success is accomplished and owned individually. Successes, especially in an industry, are shared successes because it takes more than one person to bring those things to fruition. And where ownership comes into play, I think is as a leader is my responsibility to own failures but share successes. And the people that I think embody those attributes are destined for greatness or destined for success. And those are, if you're looking across the board at who you want to build your team around, those are the personality traits I think that, that stand out because they have, in my opinion, an understanding of the harmony and the orchestra and how every piece, in the in- every instrument in the orchestra has a vital part to making the music, right? You've got people that will pretend to be something. That they aren't, and and I at Florida State, I used to tell my cadets this all the time. It's there's very there's a very thin line between wearing a uniform and honestly wearing a costume, because it represents what you are projecting. The uniform is now a telling sign of who I am, what I am, and how you should address me. But underneath that uniform is still a person, and when you're in costume, it's representative of who you're pretending to be. But when you're in uniform, it's supposed to be an expression of who you are. Either way, once those clo- once that clothing comes on, it's not only important for you to be present, in charge, however you want to, to describe that, but it's also important to be authentic. And the reason authenticity is so important is because your team, whether it's your soldiers, subordinates, your teammates here at, here at the state government level, the people that you, you work with, if they don't know the true versions of you. What do you like when you're happy? What do you like when you're aggravated? What do you like when you're angry? What do you like when you're sad? If they, over a course of time, don't get to experience that, when that version of you surfaces, they're going to see a stranger. And the reason that is so important, I think, is because when the crap hits the fan, your real self is going to come out. So if you've been faking who you are this entire time, and suddenly a crisis emerges and something and we go sideways, and this different version of you comes out, your team is going to be like, who is this? Like, I don't recognize this person. I don't trust this person. I'm not following this person. But if you've been authentic and you've been yourself the entire time, that's Joe when he's upset. I know what to do. That's Joe when he's happy. We know what we need to do. You know what I mean? Like, It's easier to inspire, motivate, direct, and guide if you've been authentic. And to be honest, that emotional intelligence, that emotional awareness – that self-awareness, those attributes, I think, get instilled when you play sports, when you have a, and I won't limit it to military service. I think law enforcement, um, search and rescue teams, fire, EMS, like there is hospital workers. There is a team dynamic to all of those. There's someone in charge, but then everybody's playing their part. And in those stressful environments and combat and two-minute drills and whatever, maybe ER operate rotations. Those are the times when that authenticity is going to come out. And it's important that your subordinates see that. And I I think that all goes back to those type of exposures with military and sports and whatnot.
0: Okay. That's a great transition. Okay. So crap hits the fan. Let's let's go back to last October. Yeah. Last October, right? uh,
1: Yes. Give or take September 28th, I think is the official impact day.
0: So take us back there. Give us leading up to that Mm -hmm. and then the response.
1: Hurricane Ian, the spaghetti models and everything that, that was showing the track, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when and where because the trajectory kept changing as the storm was making its way through the Gulf. Towards the about the 24th, 25th of September, it was a known, hey, it's going to make impact in the state. There was little chance that it was going to divert at that point. So we had to start doing uh, preparations. Now, ESF-20 is one of two new ESFs. And earlier in 2022, we had just exercised some of the functionalities and, and were trying to iron out some wrinkles on how ESF 20 was going to be engaged, employed, and how it could impact a disaster response through the state EOC. And we had some familiarity. We had, I would say, a rough draft going into it, but no situation is going to be completely replicated of any preparation or exercise that we've done. We practice certain things. Those things may or may not ever happen, but we do exercise some functions and we get a basic understanding of of how we're going to engage ourselves, employ ourselves, and how we can best serve the citizens of Florida. And so as Ian was making its way, there were ongoing discussions on not just a cybersecurity perspective, because in its purest format, ESF 20 is derived from ESF-2, which is telecommunications, and it's really focusing on that cybersecurity aspect and our posture and maintaining statewide security, not only at agency level, at state level, but at the county municipality levels as well, and having a good understanding of our footprint. And concurrent to that, FLDS has been part of the establishment for state government enterprise. And it's taking what we're practicing or what we're preaching and trying to put it to practice and then reinforcing that when things get a little excited as Hurricane Ian brought plenty of excitement for us. September 26, 27, 28, September 28, it hits. And immediately we are looking at a catastrophic event. I'll never forget a moment in the EOC when the meteorologist was saying, okay, so Hurricane Ian is a Category 4, but it's only two miles an hour away from being a category five. And for those of you that don't know how much that is, it's she blew into the microphone like that. And it was like, oh, wow, it's, it's, it is so close to being a cat five and it makes landfall and does this huge swath of damage and the, I'll never forget Jamie coming in and saying, Hey KP, we got something. I want you to run this down. I want you to look into it. And it was this acquisition of Starlink and how we could now take this huge capability of satellite internet that, that was, reliant only on clear line of sight to the sky and power so if we could get a generator in a parking lot we could turn on and get some connectivity and so from there we planted a seed and it grew exponentially
0: okay so let's go let's go a little bit more on the Uh Starlink. dive a little bit more into the details because i think it would be valuable for other, because I think a huge part is internet access is <laughs> broadly across the US. is, and So anytime there's a natural disaster, can you go a little bit more on the Starlink Absolutely. And, and how successful that was?
1: It was an overwhelming success. And to be honest, we weren't really sure. We were limiting its capabilities based off of our understanding. But what you realize is the more thought you applied to it, the greater capability actually came with it. So at first it was, there were some previous discussions In the event of a compromised election or any type of statewide event that required secure communications when potentially a bad actor has disrupted communications, could we break contact with that server and stand up something independent and secure? And so I think to date, Starlink, because of their fleet with SpaceX of satellites that they have, low orbit satellites, they're the only ones that can provide that outside of Uh, some military capabilities, which we're we're not going to get. And it was readily available. Discussions had been going on. And so it was something that would take time through the normal legislative process to forecast what would be our requirements. How could we employ these? Where would we store them? What would we do? How would this be a benefit? Legislature doing its due diligence and asking these questions. It wasn't something that with great rapidity, we were going to be able to, to roll out. Then Ian Happens. And you go through the emergency procurement process and it's, there is, there's a different way for which we are able to acquire. And so it expedited the normal procurement process and made it a little bit more palatable. And we could easily show this is something that is going to be vital uh, to the, to the way of life because the more technologically dependent we become as a society, society, the more technological access we need. So Ian comes and, Lord knows the damage that happened. Get on the EOC floor. We understand there's there was an initial number that we could readily uh, acquire. We got those. And the first people that I spoke with were search and rescue teams, Department of Transportation, and some of the uh, utility companies that were having to send folks out. Obviously, search and rescue, obviously, Department of Transportation for roadway surveillance and bridge and causeway. And search and rescue, going line by line, clearing properties. Well, a lot of that in the past was dependent on, you know, teams go out, collect information, come back, upload it to a place where service has been restored. But this Starlink gave us real time so they could take these portable kits with them. And as long as they had access to the sky and we worked with SpaceX and made sure that there was increased coverage and we were able to get network priority so that other others could not uh, interrupt ongoing operations, rescue operations, survey operations, and power restoration. And so once we got these, within 56 hours uh, of Ian making landfall, we had these about 30 kits out in the field making these assessments. And it's, wow, search and rescue going by lat long, latitude, longitude, and clearing and being able to identify and upload and give real-time information to other search and rescue teams. and Department of Transportation out there looking at the causeways going out to the islands and doing roadway assessments and utilizing technology to give aerial coverage. And there was all of these, they're inspecting bridges with drone footage and that is being shared live with the state EOC. And it's just, it was, we were scratching the surface of something that we had not experimented with before. And we're just really tapping into, I think, the capability set that came with it. And from there, it just grew. And as it grew we started thinking about what about hospitals what about pharmacies what about schools these locations and schools probably a little bit later because we had to get life limb eyesight established pharmacies banks some of the bigger grocery stores people don't think of grocery stores as life limb or eyesight but if, if someone didn't have a home or someone didn't have power what are they getting for food and how are they preparing the food but then oh, well, let's get the banks up and running also because people need to get cash. And some of these businesses relied on credit card transaction and they were going cash only, but people couldn't get cash because there was no internet connectivity for the ATMs out there. We were turning on all of these different facets of life and it was really creating this return to normalcy for day-to-day livelihood and restaurants, banks, schools, grocery stores. And then from there... We started looking at public hotspots. Where can our citizens go without going to somewhere to buy something and start reaching out to family members and start maybe supplying insurance information or doing requests and starting those processes? And it really just continued to grow and grow. And at its peak, on one single day, we had 632 kits active in the impacted area. But throughout the, there were over 800 deployments of Starlink kits throughout the impacted area, and it's really just changed. I think how we see not just the role of ESF 20, which again, at its purest sense, was cybersecurity related. We monitored cybersecurity connectivity during the storm, but there wasn't a persistent or elevated threat at the time. So we had the bandwidth at ESF 20 to incorporate this. Enhanced digital capability, and as Florida Digital Service, it, it just seemed like a perfect uh, opportunity and a perfect marriage. And being an Army logistician, it really uh, was suited for me because it gave me the opportunity to acquire, deploy, monitor, reconcile, redeploy, reconcile, and then store. And it's that's that's the life of a of a of a of a logistician, but. Uh, in the military, property accountability, connectivity, taking care of your people, all of those things integrated into this response. And it it was a huge success.
0: I love that. Okay. So you said 800 Starlink kits, is that right? Mm-hmm. 800? Okay. Emergency procurement process. How long would that have taken if it wasn't, if it would have just gone through the normal procurement?
1: That is is dependent on the current slate of legislative agenda. So who who knows, there would have been those that I think would have been against it. There would have been those that have been for it. And it would have been a job of convincing, does the need or the necessity warrant the cost? And in doing that, is that something that we want to pursue? And is it something that we want one agency to manage or do we want multiple agencies to manage? And I think it could have been a drawn out process, but I can't speak. That's hypothetical. Who knows? Maybe it would have been a slam dunk and it would have went right through. But I know that at the time, we felt, hey, we don't know enough about this yeah. to prepare for the, to the full legislative route to get this across the finish. There were other initiatives that warranted more uh, attention than that. But then the, the disaster hits, and it's, you know what? let's revisit that because there is a, a definite need and a, a real world case applicability to this.
0: That's that's great. And so I always love asking folks just the difference between kind of the normal procurement process and then the emergency procurement process. And I think that the biggest example is COVID of what took 10 years to get things that's that right. people suddenly are yeah. <laughs> deploying next week. Mm-hmm. They just So any emergency type you can accelerate. And I'm always curious how in government we can't if we can accelerate what we're doing, but not through an emergency. Right. Kudos to you guys, to the state of Florida for getting out 800 Starlink kits. And I think I was reading a story too, that the, there was a bridge that collapsed um, somewhere in South Florida and they got the bridge back up in four days a week. It was pretty impressive. They were right on top of it. The execution was fantastic. I'm just like, I was reading all the stories and, cause we were going to have a live event in Tallahassee and we were going to highlight a bunch of the stuff from Florida, which totally changed. Cause then when we did in Orlando, we were highlighting both the cy- local cybersecurity grant program and the response from hurricane Ian. Yep. So how are you thinking about the 2023 season coming up? Uh, I know you're not going to be able to forecast everything.
1: <laughs> Let me look in the crystal ball yeah, you know, yeah. on September 14th. No,
0: or uh, just more like around planning and like lessons that you would maybe give to other folks in different States around how you think about for regular, somewhat regular occurring season seasonal yeah. activity?
1: Well, it, again, <clears throat> I don't know if this this may seem obvious to some or lost on others, but you're only as good as your most recent experience. And I think, if anything, Florida is very experienced right now. Um, to date, our state EOC is still at a level two, meaning it's still on an activation. We are still closing out and monitoring residuals from Ian. That has not fully been encapsulated and closed and put away. We take lessons learned. Any victory or loss warrants, I think, an after-action review. What could we have done better? What do we seek to sustain? What do we seek to improve? And so one of the improves for us and the sustain, uh, it's got some duality there, but we are now postured uh, and ready to deploy these kits even faster than we were With doing it within 56 hours of landfall, because we have been able to maintain this fleet and they're centrally located. And some of them I have already and am still continually um, transferring ownership of some of these kits throughout counties, other agencies and other departments, specifically Department of Transportation. One of the first ones that we were able to give kits to we allow them and set it up and transferred some ownership of some kits to them. So that initial requisition, that activation, that transfer, that deployment, that part is already taken care of. It'll just now be a matter of getting them. We have looked at who are the most likely, um, what is the most beneficial, and who has the, the biggest need. Not all counties in, in Florida are, are created equally and, and some never have to worry about some of these disruptions but some more than others maybe every storm that comes through monroe county down in the south every storm that comes through at some point seems to impact the keys southern florida and then over closer to pensacola get closer to louisiana it seems like that there is these certain counties certain areas that experience a lot more than others and those are the areas where we try to now lean forward and take what we just went through and better position ourselves I'll, I'll use a sports reference here. I'm, I'm a Steeler fan. Coach Tom will always, he has all these quips and these great bites in press conferences, but the standard is the standard. And jokingly with some of my, my teammates here at FLDS, I'll say, yeah, but the standard is the expectation, but the expectation is to exceed the standard. And that is now what we have established. We changed uh, how we will d- digitally respond to an emergency event through what we put Proof of concept was Ian. Everyone had ideas. Everyone had this opportunity. But we're now going to take those ideas. We, we saw how they worked. We're going to embellish on those a little bit or adjust some of those and incorporate those into standard operating procedures. So working with the county EOCs to make sure. Here, here's another. We talk about primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency forms of communication. If you and I have primary communications, and then a backup, and it's a landline. And a backup is our cell phone. And then our contingency is a satellite phone. Well, The further down those echelons you go, if someone else doesn't have a, an emergency form, of commu- then you're just basically carrying a paperweight. I'm down to my sat phone, but I'm only going to be able to talk to other people with a sat phone right now. It's not like I can use my sat phone to call your cell phone because we've already passed the triage of cell phones are out. Knowing that we have redundancies in place and our redundancies are, are as, as good as the availability to everyone, pre distributing and pre positioning Starlinks throughout the state, having them more readily available, cut down on the lag time to which it would take us to deploy them, and then having, again, having relationships with agencies and counties, um, county emergency management centers, having those things already out there is going to cut down on what we have to do in the moment of execution. So it's easier to turn those things off. Let's have them out there. Let's have them ready. Better to, to have and not need than not have and want. I think we are really prepared for the next emergency. COVID was in and own, its own beast, in and of itself its own beast, and there were responses and some of the systems that we used from a digital standpoint, technology standpoint we were able to apply some of those lessons learned and personnel and methodologies and put that into practice with Ian. So I, it only makes me think that the next event, however far out it may be, we're better postured for that because of our recent practices. And the anticipation from, from whatever experts, it looks like it'll be a, a quieter season, hurricane season this year, El Nino, La Nina, uh, I think it's an El Nino year, so be it. But, you know, you have to stand ready because not everything goes according to plan. <laughs> and, and, and our job is to be prepared for, for when things go off script. And I, I think that's where we're at.
0: I love it. I love that after action review, uh, distilling down all of the lessons and how you can improve and optimize. And I think what comes to mind is I think as we're wrapping up is who at the Florida Digital Services on the team would you love to highlight? from the hurricane response, you're like, hey, this team member was fantastic.
1: It would, the only way I can describe it to someone is that there was a point where I don't necessarily know whether it was a personality conflict, and I shouldn't say conflict. We all come to work and we have our, I think, in many instances, tunnel vision. We're focused on what we have to do today. And that's great. You want that work ethic. You want that personal motivation from employees. But I don't think that there was ever an opportunity for me as the SF20 to really get an understanding of what's going on with service experience, what's going on with the executive team, what's going on policy-wise, what has happened legislatively that might impact what I do on a daily basis, or what's the concert of messaging that's coming down and who's making sure that these messages are getting to the right people. And then on the cybersecurity side, Ian happens. and. Without missing a beat, you started to see the talent pools from each of the respected sections. We had the fastest integration and deployment of service. Now, I, th- I think that is a correct. Uh, who would have known how we could have integrated service now? Who would have known how we could have taken that and use it as an asset management tool for ESF 20 to manage Starlink and then getting the buy-in from the team that created visibility that allowed our data team to plot latitude, longitude points on a map that search and rescue could now take and see on real time how effective their efforts are. And this is all being controlled through Starlink connectivity in an area where there is no connectivity. And so, I honestly I can't highlight an individual. We had leadership, we had vision, we had Jamie, we we had our chief of service experience, our head of cybersecurity, at the state CISO. We had all of these folks each in chorus doing their parts, and it just to see it come together. And then as the ESF twenty coordinator, having to message that and channel that towards the director of emergency management, the CERT chief, and then making sure that information is not a one-way flow. It's a top-down, bottom-up, and it's got to come through me being a part of it. And then and then the money and working with budget and working with invoice and making sure that we're accounting for expenses and monitoring invoice statements and making sure that they are reflective of what is really going on and due diligence on behalf of the taxpayer. And it's, it's part of servant leadership, we're doing our best. And just to see all of that come together. And it had not to the best of my knowledge happened because Florida digital service had not had that role in the past without ESF 20. So it was this entry point, it was this exposure into a new world. And it, it was a incredible team effort. And that's truly all, all I could say to describe it.
0: So I ha- it was kind of a half trick question, but you passed with flying colors by answering <laughs> with, with the team. Keith, I really appreciate it. And this is a blast. I heard your name for a while when I was in Orlando, I heard your name. And before that, and Jamie has only said high praise about you. So I'm excited that we were able to finally connect in Tallahassee and excited just to share the story and really the unified team effort that the team was able to do in such a short amount of time, deploying 800 Starlink kits in 56 hours. And I know Jamie has told some more stories around just coming into the EOC (laughs) and yeah, it's a who's with me. And People working 20 hours a day. That's right. And
1: and I know we got to go, but it it was so funny because unless you were directly immersed in it the way we were to the outside, some of the things that we were saying seemed ludicrous. No, you weren't doing 20 hour days. but Yes, I was. No, you didn't get these that fast. And we were able to convince SpaceX and they were great partners, by the way. The things that they donated up front services and included some priority set up on our network access in repositioning satellites so that we had a bigger footprint, bigger aperture for our, for our antennas to reach the satellites. Seeing all of those that you would think, okay, you're embellishing. You're not. No, that really was happening. Phone calls nonstop West coast, East coast in the Pacific. It didn't matter. People were coming from all walks of life and contributing. And out of that, Joe, We're now, Florida is not only leading the way in in many aspects, specifically with enterprise architecture and how we're developing our digital posture, but it's now trickled over into our digital response. So We're having these communications with Georgia and and North Dakota and and several states have reached out like, hey, we want to do some of that. And even within Florida, some of our counties, we want to be more posture. We want to do these things. And it's just, it's great to see that you lead by example, you practice what you preach, you do right by people and good things happen and that's i think that's what we're doing in florida
0: i love it florida is coming for the other 49 states <laughs> on the technology front yeah it's exciting to see and just sharing those lessons uh whether it's with louisiana georgia mm-hmm. alabama or any of the california arizona texas whatever it is it's great to see folks come together and the biggest example is having that unified team mm-hmm. and and then coming out with that digital response and experience is is just fantastic so keith thanks for coming on the pod
1: appreciate it joe thanks for having me brother
0: yeah Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank
0: you for telling your story. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from techtables.com, and you're listening to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events. We offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves.